Welcome to The B Word, the podcast for women in real estate who want to unlock the clarity needed to put your big girl panties on and rock your career like the true boss you are. I'm Joanne Bolt, your host, and together we'll dive into the things your broker doesn't teach you in order to own your own path, disown the things getting in the way to finding your place, and stop apologizing for the obstacles you had to overcome along the way. If you're ready to stop playing small and take action in your professional life, this is the place for you. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of The B Word. I am your host, Joanne Bolt, and we are diving in to episode number two of my niche building series. And today I'm coming at you with one you may or may not have really considered and it is the divorce niche. Now, I know that some of you just kind of cringed when I said, how can we possibly want to work that niche? But the sad reality is that according to statistics in 2022, 44.2% of all marriages get dissolved in divorce. So while you may be like me and be happily married, you may also realize that this is a niche you could really serve and serve well in your real estate business. But I will warn you, unlike episode one in this series, which I'll link to in the show notes where I dived into two really good niches for newer agents, this one is not for the new agent, nor is it for the faint at heart. In fact, I'll go so far as to say, if you are a really high eye on the disc profile or you get very emotionally attached to your clients. And during the process of the buying or selling of a home, you feel like you make really good besties with them. This is not your niche because when you work in the niche field of divorce, quite frankly, you have to be Switzerland. Neutrality is the name of the game. And in order to maintain neutrality, you really just can't get super attached to one person in the, you know, the transaction, because if you get too close with the wife, the husband may lose trust in your ability to do your job and vice versa. You don't know what brought them to the divorce table. And you certainly don't know what emotional triggers they're going to encounter. And so the more neutral you stay, the better chance you are of a successful transaction. My favorite agents to work in the divorce field are teams. Teams of three or more are the perfect solution for divorce niches because you can keep one agent who handles the sale of the home, and then you have two other agents to each work on the buying side. Now, I know that not all divorces, when the divorce actually occurs, sometimes we actually have one party that buys the other party out, and sometimes we have you know the situation where one party gets to remain in the home. But we do see a lot in our field where the marital home is sold, assets are divided up and split, partner number one goes and lives in one house, partner number two goes and lives in another one. So that's why I really recommend a grouping of three or more agents that really do niche down into this because if you are the only agent assigned to the listing of the home, you're just connecting with the two buyer's agents to make sure everything's moving in a smooth process. And the two buyer's agents are working with each party of the transaction to help them locate the next home. And they're all checking in to make sure that everything is going smooth so that your clients have a good experience with you as agents 
But at the same time, one partner, let's say the wife, feels like she can openly and honestly speak with her agent about what's going on because it's not getting repeated back to the other person. And the other partner can do the same. Again, think neutrality, think Switzerland. That is actually how you best set up a niching down into the divorce specialty of real estate. But boy, oh boy, if you nail it and you nail it right, it is one of the most sustainable niches in real estate. Because again, I'm going to go back to statistics. 44.2% of all marriages in 2022 will end in divorce. So you don't want to take advantage of it but you do want to be the expert in it because these people have a pain point. The home has to be sold. Assets have to be divided and they need more than just the divorce attorney holding their hand along the way to make sure that this is as amicable and as smooth as possible. But the other thing you do have to really, really, really remember when dealing in this niche is you can't always assume it will stay amicable, even if it starts out that way, which is why I'm going to dive into a couple of things I learned along the way when my team and I worked in the divorce field and some things that you should really be on the watch for as you start to build your niche in the divorce arena. You may decide that there are certain standard operating procedures that you would not actually employ on a day-by-day basis with the rest of your clients. And here's a great example of one. I had in my listing consultation with divorcing couples that I mandated that each one of them got an independent appraisal. I had my comparative market analysis. I had the price point that I wanted to put the home on. And I actually put that in a sealed envelope and I kept it. And I told them, you know, I'm not going to share this exactly with you. I want you to get an appraisal and I want you to get an appraisal. And then we're going to take the two independent appraisers From each party, you get to select your own who represents you in the price point. And my CMA, which is already prepared for you here in a sealed envelope so that I'm not influencing what any appraiser could possibly tell you this home is worth. And I want us to all agree that we're going to use the, you know, the average price, the medium point between all three. That way, no party to this transaction can look at me and say, you steered the price point of the home in her direction or his direction or the other partner's direction. Because really at the end of the day, you've got to stay neutral. Remember? So when I was working with my divorce clients, I did implement this as a piece of the agreement. Or if they really wanted to go ahead and sign it up front and see my CMA, we had a clause in the listing agreement that said, this is the price I feel it should be listed at. However, Within five days of this agreement or a reasonable amount of time, each party agrees to have their own independent appraisal done and completed, and we will reevaluate listing price and redo the contract at that point. And I would make sure we all had an agreement on that listing price before we ever went on the market. Because again, you can't ever assume that even if it's neutral when you're having those conversations and it's amicable, that it is going to stay that way. So I covered everyone's emotional attachment to the price point by having them get their own appraisals. The other thing I learned throughout the process of working with divorce clients was it can get really interesting along the way, especially when they're not friendly on friendly terms with each other. So I had to start putting other things in my listing agreement as I came across stuff that would occur that 
an inexperienced agent may or may not be equipped to handle. And this is why I really do encourage this niche to be one for the more experienced agent or the bigger teams. We would put into our contract things like, hey, you agree that you will not be at home during a showing. Now, in a normal listing, I would have that verbal conversation with my clients and I wouldn't actually make them sign off on it. But we did have a client one time who was getting divorced and she refused to leave the home for showings, making it very uncomfortable for the potential buyer to come in because she would follow them and their agent around the house, dropping little hints like, oh yes, this is where my husband cheated on me, or this is where our dreams came to die. You know, things like that. I know it sounds wacky. Maybe she was a little wackadoodle, but this really did occur. And so I had to actually have clients start agreeing if the house wasn't vacant, that all parties understood they would leave the home prior to a showing at least 30 minutes and stay away during the showing. I also began asking a lot of really good questions about the divorce agreement. And at first, your clients may think that you really have no right to see their divorce agreement, but as their neutral Switzerland real estate agent, it's not that you need to see it, but you need to know a few things. I had a client one time who refused to accept showings. She would decline all showings. It didn't matter how far in advance the potential buyer's agent requested the showing. It didn't matter what technology we used to make the request happen. She denied them all. When I, we were 45 days into the, into the listing and I finally said, oh my gosh, why do you keep denying these showings? Do you not want this home to sell? And her response literally floored me. It was our divorce agreement states that my husband will pay the mortgage so long as the house is on the market. And she said, Joanne, the minute this thing sells, he quits paying the mortgage. And I want the most equity out of it possible, but I don't want it out of my pocket. I don't want to pay this monthly mortgage. So if I just keep it on the market, he has to pay the mortgage and I get the benefit of living in the home and the extra equity when the home sells, because I haven't actually written a check for any of that mortgage floored me, but I learned a few things. I learned to ask questions like, is there any wording in your divorce agreement that is stip, you know, put stipulations around the sale of the home. I also learned to ask things like, are there any monies that have to come out of this sale other than any mortgages or liens on the property? Because I got caught really off foot one time when working with a divorced couple, we were, I mean, probably five days from the closing table. The title attorney and closing attorney had, you know, pulled the mortgage, pulled any liens that were on the property. We had settlement statements ready to go. Everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, one of the parties called me up and said, we can't close. Well, I said, well, why not? And she said, because my ex-husband in our divorce agreement, again, this is where it's really important for you to know these things. It states that upon the sale of the home, he has to pay off a credit card bill that they had incurred and kept, you know, running up a big bill on during the, mar the marriage. And I said, well, you never told me that. And she said, well, it's really none of your business because he has to pay this off. I said, well, here's why it's a big, you know, a big deal. You're telling me that there's a large chunk of money. And she actually told me the amount of money. And I said, and I'm looking here at the, how things are split up according to what you guys have told the closing attorney. And there's not enough in here for him to pay that off. And she said, well, then I guess I'm not going to sign on the closing documents. Well, it would have been really nice to know up front 
that they had this agreement in their divorce stipulation, because after I took a look at what the listing price was going to be, what the commissions were going to be. I always have my clients send me an estimated payoff of their mortgage to make sure that there is enough money in there to pay off the mortgage. Had I had any idea that they also had this massive credit card debt that had to be paid off, but it wasn't a lien on the title. So it's not something we could have found ahead of time. There is no way I would have taken that listing because I knew basic math said at the sale price of this home, it's not going to pay the monies. You guys have got to figure this out and renegotiate something in your divorce settlement prior to us going on the market. So we wasted everyone's time in that entire process that probably could have been prevented had I known ahead of time to start asking those questions that are a little uncomfortable to ask and a little uncomfortable to be told, but they are things that are really, really necessary. And here's a couple other things and tips and tricks I learned along the way is to put some special wording in your listing agreement to cover things like, hey, here's the bottom level price that we would take on a, a contract. Here's the top level. Obviously, the top level would be most likely your listing price. But what is the bottom level price point? And I, especially if I knew ahead of time walking into it that it was not an amicable divorce, I always made sure this clause was put in there. And I said, while I will do everything in my power to negotiate the best deal possible for you, all parties agree we will not negotiate or counter offer more than two times. And if during that counter offer at the second time, we come within this range of price point, all parties agree that they will sign an offer. Now, it may sound like I don't have the right to dictate that. I did it because one of my divorce attorneys actually had me put that in and she wrote that stipulation for me. Because she knew that the client she was sending me, one of them, if it wasn't a full price offer, they were not going to sign on it no matter what. So this was just pre-negotiating ahead of time between the two parties that, hey, we're not going to give the house away, but if we are even close to our list price and we all got to agree how close we could come, that everyone was going to not hold up the process and they were in fact going to sign the offer. And it really, the more and more I started using that stipulation, the easier the divorce clientele became, because then it was a matter of me scripting with them that, Hey, I am not being a hardball when I do this, but I've worked with enough divorcing clients. That's why you came to me that I know how tricky things can get. You have already negotiated your divorce agreement. Let's make this piece as smooth as possible for you. And I also stipulated in was, how are we going to handle repair monies? While I will always, especially in a divorce client, attempt to have a flat fee just credited to the buyer at the time of closing, instead of us doing you know repairs on the property and bringing in the handyman, I like to have an inkling of an idea and something in writing between the two parties on how they envision this is going to go. Because... If you have big ticket items that show up on an inspection report, like they found mold or termites, or the roof is falling in, the HVAC no longer works, you know, those $10,000 or more inspection repairs that suddenly everyone starts fighting over who's going to pay it because they are getting divorced. They are splitting assets. They are splitting proceeds. If it's not as simple as we can just agree to credit X amount of money toward the buyer at the closing table, so that it comes out at the closing table, 
If it's something they have to pre-write a check for, things get really, really finicky. And I have found it best to also work with a, a divorce attorney to figure out how to write a stipulation that goes in your listing agreement that addresses that as well, so that all parties get to negotiate that up front in the listing agreement so that we know moving forward how we're going to handle those potential repair costs. You can also refer back to the idea that everyone gets to have their own appraisal Everyone can bring in their own inspector and let's find out what we may have to find out to repair. Let's do our best to mitigate as much before the for sale sign goes in the yard in order to make them breeze through this process as easy as possible. Those agents that don't want to take the time or don't have the expertise in taking the time to do all of this upfront may find themselves in a world of getting yelled at or emotional instability between the partners or all kinds of just headaches during the process. And so it really does take a certain personality of agent to be able to dive into that divorcing niche. But man, if you do and you can do it well, it can be a really good one. Here's another thing that we found on my team when, when we were you know, working in this, in this world. You don't ever think about the little things like, hey, if you're working with one partner and maybe they're not the primary custodian of the children, but there it's a 50-50 split. Someone gets them on Wednesday nights, has to take them to school on Thursday. But sometimes they agree that they can live in the same school district, and sometimes they don't. So if you've got the buyer buying a home and they don't have to live in the same school district, you do want to have some really good conversations when you're talking about where you're going to put them as to... Um, what is the time distance to get them to school on Thursday morning? Because if you can arrange their home, help them find the right home to live in to where they may be going against traffic so that they are not always having to leave two hours before school starts just to get their children there. Or if you can help them find a home in the right price point in the right subdivision in the school district, it will make their after divorce life even better and they will thank you for it. We once took two two people. She moved into a home and then he moved into a home and we put them in the same high school district because that was the larger area for the school districts that their kids would, would be going to. But we made sure she was as far out in one direction of the high school district as she could be. And that he was as far out in the other direction as he could be so that when they began dating again, when they maybe eventually found another partner, no one was running into each other awkwardly in Kroger in the middle of the afternoon. We wanted to ensure that where we were placing them, put their children in the same school districts so that buses could be ridden or drivability was easy, but that they were far enough apart that their everyday worlds didn't collide on the regular. Because we had niched down in this industry, and we were very experienced in working with these type of clients, we anticipated and could help them think through the things like living on the opposite sides of the school district. The amount of referrals that resulted in was astounding. It's just another reason I really feel strongly that when you began looking at the brand for your real estate career and how you're going to marketing niching down is really super essential. You may not be the right personality or the right agent to niche into the divorce field. And I encourage you 
to really think carefully about it if that is the field you're going to go into. But if you're looking to figure out what your brand personality may be, I want you to take a second right now and text the word niche quiz to 678-968-7740. I've made a little quiz that will help you determine what personality type you may be best suited for. And I even then curated a podcast list just for you to help you really jump in and get started on being successful in the niche that you are best suited to work. Because let's all face it, when we're best suited for it, we enjoy it more. And when we enjoy it more, we're better at it. It all kind of goes hand in hand. I would love to hear from you which personality you get on the quiz. Drop me a DM in my Instagram at it's Joanne Bolt. I would love to hear from you and interact a little bit. If I don't hear from you on the IG, then you know where to find me next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.